finally said, whatever power is out there greater than me, please just come into my life. And um, right away, I got this feeling, this sense that I was being taken care of and that that question I asked to have a power greater than me come into my life did. Welcome to Lessons in Love, where you hear stories from the heart. I'm Sarah Moncrief. This week's guest is Jeffrey Duval. He's a yoga teacher based in New York City. He has an uncanny ability to move your soul through your body in a lighthearted yet profound way. Welcome. Thank you. Who are you? Me. I'm Jeffrey Duval. I'm a yoga teacher from New York City. I'm a uh, father of a beautiful 13-year-old boy, originally from Miami, and a uh, lover of life. How did you get into teaching yoga? Um, Well, I'd been practicing for a number of years and really saw the benefits that it had on my physical body, on my mental state, on my spiritual condition. And um, I would walk around the city in New York City, and I would see people walking and just see their alignment being so screwed up and knew that they were just going to have all these issues years later. And I thought, well, in order to keep something, you got to give it away. So I knew that I selfishly wanted to grab onto the yoga even more. And so I knew that taking the teacher training and then giving it away would would really be a big difference to my practice. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've talked about actually often on this podcast is that you teach the thing that you want to learn the most in this lifetime. Is that kind of what you mean by you have it when you give it away? Sure, 100%. It's, uh, you really want to immerse yourself in the way to learn something better is to really be able to teach it. And the more you teach it and you interface with other people, people just are mirrors for yourself. And so the more you work with those people, the more you see about yourself and it uh, just opens further and further more portals that you can go into to dive into the practice. How long have you been teaching? Teaching now for 12 years. Yeah. Have you gone through it like ebbs and flow with the practice itself? Of course. I think it's natural with anything that you do for a really long time is to go through periods where you plateau and you give it some space and then you come back to it and you're like, wow, you find your passion again to that thing that you're doing. Um, and I've really just come back into my teaching after, you know, a little period of sabbatical, self-imposed sabbatical. And, uh, that's really amazing when you do take that pause and you come back, it's like, wow, the passion, the joy, the, the real gift of giving of yourself and the practice uh, just takes off. So it's been great. How in your practice personally or in your classes do you help people actually find that state of yoga, the connectedness of the being? Um, I think first and foremost, you show up as an example. You show up as somebody who has taken uh, the, the tenets of the practice that you teach and you show the joy that you can have your own connectedness to the practice as an example and you just uh, create a space of intentionality for people to step into their own sense of self you have to remember when you were a beginner too as uh, i always take it you have to have the mentality that you're always a beginner no matter how many times you practice or intermediate or advanced at the end of the day you got to keep that beginner's mindset fresh and so i always try to approach people 
as their beginners and just give them a sense of joy and passion of what it could be to be really connected to yourself. Mm-hmm. How do you, um, because when I was watching you teach on Saturday at the rest class, I noticed that you do such a great job at talking about the physicality, but bringing in spirituality and also humor. Like how do you, how do you actually weave all of that together? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think really it's just a testament to who I am as a person. I mean, I don't try to teach any other way than who I am as a person. And I love connecting to people. And um, the alignment of the practice for me is uh, what made the biggest difference initially because I'd had so many injuries and so many surgeries. And my body was real mess when I started and I couldn't do hardly any of the poses uh, with any sustained... Um, level of, of functionality really and so there's a lot of compassion towards wherever people are in their practice so I approach that every time it's like wherever you are is perfect and then uh, for me the second thing was the style that I do particularly called Anasara it is about the biomechanics and the physical aspects but it's the art and the science so the science is the technical aspect but the artistic is the creative expression of the heart and we focus on something called heart language. So getting people to connect in to why they might want to do a practice, what it might uh, bring forth for them in terms of their own life, in terms of expressing who they get to be in this life. And then the humor part of it, tying into it, is just, <laughs> you, know, you can't take the practice too seriously. And I see people who do take the practice so seriously. And it's just... Um, it's really hard to connect to those people. <laughs> I agree. It's just, um, there's, there's humor in it all. Yeah. Um, heart language is something that's really interesting to me and kind of ties into this podcast. So is that partially where you learned what love is for you? To a certain degree, it, like tried to open up the nutshell a little bit mm -hmm. and there were times during the practice early on where I was really present to how it was all about love and, and love just self-love and loving yourself was what the practice was all about and having compassion for others but I mean as much as that aperture is kind of opened up as quickly as it closed back in mm -hmm. for me personally and um but yeah, I think that it was a big part of, of it was seeing that I could heal myself and loving myself was part of that, was the real key to that mm -hmm. component. So I guess entirely what is love to you? Oh, love, what does it mean to you? That's a great song. Um, <laughs> love is... It's one of those things you can put words to... Uh, they don't always do the job. Um, you can describe it. You can feel it. Um, but it is always this thing I'm searching for personally to touch and feel and to know and to understand. And a lot has come forth uh, recently in my life. And um, love is a sense of connection and inner peace that comes uh, from within and from without. And it also gives you the opportunity then to have an interconnectedness and inner peace with others and also the, the realm of the universal. So 
Um, you know, I don't know if that fully puts the picture <laughs> on it, but it's something like that. <laughs> <laughs> What's been your greatest lesson in love so far? Uh, to stay humble and stay teachable and still open myself to learning a lot more about it. At the end of the day, I think that uh, as far as I am in my life, I'm still just scratching the surface. And I think that's uh, one, uh, uh, something to know about myself that gives me hope <laughs> mm -hmm. that there's still more to learn about it and to know about it and that um, I get to express and, and play and delight in that. Mm -hmm. How do you keep like reminding yourself? Is it just as things come into your life or is there some specific practice or thing that you do? Oh, there's a Sanskrit expression. It says uh, neti neti. And that basically neti neti means not that, not that. And so the main thing that I get to is not knowing what love is and not seeing it. So, you know, you know it's not that. And so for me personally, I've had a lot of experience where um, I've tried to do a lot of different things that... Um, don't really give me the sense and the feeling of peace and of love and particularly loving myself you know that starts first and foremost if that's not there and your condition with your family with your upbringing with all kinds of things that condition you for your responses that you're supposed to have in the world and with yourself and um, going through time and life and your life experiences you learn that this is not it this is not it and you keep going and from not seeing what it's not, you get to have more of a sense of what it is. Mm -hmm. um, when I, I remember when I first took one of the landmark courses, they said that when you ask for something, what shows up is all the things that aren't that. Um, because like, if you're like, I want love, all the things that aren't love stand out in the vibration of love that you're putting in. Um, and that's been a really interesting experience for me to also integrate and understand that like they come up so that you can heal them. They come up so that you can let them go. Yeah, well, I mean, at the end of the day is you're continually given an opportunity to choose. Choose for yourself what it is you want, what it is you... Uh, we also say too is that you show people how to treat you right through your actions through your stand for yourself so uh yeah a lot a lot of things a lot of things do show up isn't that funny mm -hmm. right? a lot of things do show up and you get to say again neti neti not that tell me about the most profound time in your life the most profound <laughs> time that's quite a question um what do you what do you mean by profound um, just like a experience that you had that has brought you into a vulnerable place. Well, I mean, this is really what's been coming up for my life a lot recently is, um, you know, I really just had the experience, um, just in the past month where I was in a real desperate place in my life and, a lot of things have happened to, to get me in that place, a lot of choices I've made. And when you're in a painful, desperate place, I think that that's the time where you're willing to surrender 
to not having the answers, to needing the answers to come from outside of yourself. And I just had the experience of just having need for something greater than myself being the answer. And I finally said, whatever power is out there greater than me, please just come into my life. And um, right away, I got this feeling, this sense that I was being taken care of and that that question I asked to have a power greater than me come into my life did. And uh, just last week I was at church and I had tears coming down the whole service. It was such a wild experience. And inside of that, I felt like this 13 year old boy who I'd been stuck being for a long time in my life was really in a subconscious level running the show was being healed that all during the service, I had the sense that God was coming in that God was saying, it's all going to be okay. I had a, a bicycle accident when I was 13 and a few other things. And I think I got stuck at that age in my life, I guess really traumatized. Mm-hmm. And um, I just had the sense there that at the age that I am now, 45, that finally that 13 year old boy gave the keys back and got down off the cliff and said, yes, I'll allow the 45 year old to become a man and have the experience of being a grown up finally for a lot for my life. So that's pretty profound. It's pretty recent. <laughs> yeah. 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 Do you feel like that's like a state change where it's just like it shifted right in that moment? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I walked out of there feeling like for the first time, definite as I had tell people, it's a funny joke that for years I've suffered from acute Peter Penitis. And, you know, the older I get, the less cute it is. Yeah. And um, I had the sense that that little boy who was just had such joy leading me around was leaving and that. I really looked at myself as a grown up and I walked down the street, I was walking in New York City in the street and I felt like people were looking at me differently. And of course it wasn't, they were looking at me differently. It was just how I was looking at myself. I could interpret them looking at me differently just because they were looking at me as I was looking at myself. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty amazing. What is the greatest legacy that you'd like to leave behind? You know, you had mentioned this question yesterday, <laughs> and I, it's one I didn't even really think about now. So just off the top of my head, um, the legacy I'd like to leave leave behind is one of, first and foremost, being a, a great father. And beyond being a great father, being a great fatherly figure. So beyond that, meaning someone who supports other people to accomplish and reach the fullest state of their potential and someone who acts out of uh, love and compassion and creates uh, an amazing space for everyone to heal and to uh, thrive ultimately you know in this world that we live in all seven billion of us right it's uh, it's amazing how little we have actually tapped into the the potential of who we get to be as human beings on this planet. And so if I just make the smallest little impact that can have a ripple effect to a couple other people and another couple other people, yeah, I think that we have a, a, a chance of maximizing our potential inside of this experience of being human beings. What I kept thinking about as you were saying that is that you're helping the world grow up. 
Mm. Like by going through the shift that you just had and wanting to be that like fatherly figure kind of globally that actually would have to raise everyone to grow up so that we could actually deal with the things that are at play. That's exactly what I was saying. Yeah, you, you heard, you heard it. Good. Through the grapevine right here between our mic. <laughs> yeah. Um, how you don't mind people... if I use that, right? No. Okay, good. <laughs> how can people stay connected to you um, who are listening? Well, I mean, at the, this point, it's a, it, part of my whole shift is um, shutting down everything. They had to shut down everything before I could grow it back up. Um, so, you know, I had that two years ago for the, the election in uh, the United States or, or uh, presidential election, I just couldn't deal with all the noise. And I went through every single person on my Facebook page and unfriended them all. Not because I didn't want them to be my friends. I just didn't want to have that level of connection in this social realm where I felt more people were watching you than engaging with you. And, um, so I like personal engagement so they can always call me if they Google me, they can find my number somewhere, but they can also follow me on uh, right now on Instagram. That's Jeff Gator, G E O F F G A T O R. Um, it's funny because no, one, no one's really talked about giving out their number, but now, but now just this person right before you and now you, it's like. It's going to be like, what's your number? So everyone thing. can call you. That's the new thing. <laughs> as long as it's not a solicitation, I'm fine. You know, you, you, know, you think about all the times that uh, I get all these calls. It's the same people. Hi, this is Anne. Don't hang up, but I've got a deal for you. And, uh, you know, to have someone who really wants to connect about something I'm talking about, about love, that's, that's always the thing. Now, I haven't picked up my phone for a long time, and now I pick up my phone all the time. I answer emails right away. I answer all the questions. It's kind of... It's, a, it's another world, mm -hmm. uh, but that's how we stay connected by keep connecting. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. To find more information, follow along on my Instagram at Sarah underscore Moncrief or at my website, saramoncrief.com. <laughs>